Hi folks and welcome to episode 13 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchatz and this is the show for September 2014. Uh, let's start off by introducing our lovely panel. So, uh, joining us from the United Kingdom that remained united this month, despite what people would have thought, we have the wonderful Gazmaz. Good evening, yes. <laughs> uh, I think uh, on the MyMac show, um, I think Guy said at the very start of one of the shows, congratulations on keeping Scotland, which <laughs> I thought was rather funny. Congratulations on not getting divorced. Well done. Yes. <laughs> not that you had much say in it. No, no, no. We all had a big group hug afterwards. That was oh. <laughs> Also from the continually united United Kingdom, we have Nick Riley. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. Good to be here. Always a pleasure to have you. Do you know, I've never actually asked you which bit of that United Kingdom you hail from. Um, I live in a, a place called Sutton Coldfield, which is sort of in the Midlands. Was there coal there? Uh, no. Oh, what? It's cold field with oh, a D. Right. Cold. Is it? Yeah, okay, that, that sounds plausible. <laughs> I think I live in a cold field as well. And then finally, from the complete other side of the Atlantic Ocean, we're joined by Adam Christensen. Hi, Adam. Yeah, and not at all in a cold field. No? You, you were complaining no. it was too warm. Yeah, it's, it's 82 in the studio right now. Wow. Okay. And it will be, it will get to 90, 92, probably before we're done with this podcast. Yowza. Jeez, no, we have, we have no such problems. Our weather has taken a distinct turn for the cold. Yeah, yeah I have moved. I'm in MacCast, what I'm calling MacCast Studios 1.5. And it's oh. 0.5 because I'm hoping not to be here for a really long time. We moved houses and uh, I had to turn a, I used to have an actual office that mm. I used as a studio. And now I have a walk-in closet. Oh, so that heats up good and quick. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this is the first show of year two of this podcast. And uh, after some listener feedback, there's going to be a very small change in how we do things. So we've al- I've always prepared show notes for the panelists, uh, which is sort of an exercise for myself to get things organized. And until now, I've kept them pretty informal, and I've only shared them with myself and the panelists. But actually, that's like 80% of the work of making something presentable. So from now on, we're going to do the extra 20% and share the show notes with the listeners so they can click along while they're listening along or if something catches their ear, you know, you just go to the website and download it. So the website is lets-talk.ie and you'll find the shows all there. Or if you want to quickly get to a particular show, there have always been shortcut links. I just haven't told anyone about them, but it's lets-talk.ie forward slash LTA, and then the number of the show will always take you to the relevant show notes. So it'll be LTA 13 this month, 14 next month, so on and so forth. So uh, that that's the one change. You can watch along to all the lovely stories we're going to be talking about today. And uh, with that, we should probably get started on year two. So first up, we have some legal stories to just quickly note, sort of make a mental note of rather than discuss in detail, really. Um, Apple had asked for a retrial in their second trial against Samsung, and the judge said no. So that's one less court case to look forward to. Um, <laughs> Apple and Google appealed a Judge Coe's ruling, that, or Judge Coe's rejection of their proposed settlement for the whole non-poaching thing. Uh, 
she said they should pay more. They said, no, we shouldn't. So that's to appeal now. And it's a matter of seeing where that goes after this. Um, some good news on the patent front. Um, an appeals court threw out a $368 million ruling in the Vertex v. Apple patent case. And uh, the appeals court now didn't crush it completely. They sent it back down to the lower court. So I guess, I guess we sort of do a do-over there. And then finally, a... Uh, quote-unquote patent troll have been ordered to pay Apple and other people's legal fees because the patent they were suing for was ruled invalid, which is an interesting development that puts a little more skin right. in the game for people. Right. Yes. So with that, we can get stuck into the big stories, and goodness me, were there plenty of those this month. Um, let, let's start with Apple's little shindig down in, um, was it the Flint Center in something like that? Yeah. Which I don't know really what that is. It's not one that they've used in recent memory, but was it the, the iMac or something was... The original it? Macintosh. Oh, the Macintosh, that was it. Yes. That's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's in uh, Cupertino. Oh, I'm not mistaken. Convenient, and the, their spaceship is coming along nicely. I've seen some pictures doing the rounds today, but it's not ready for events yet. Nicely done, Bart. Doing the rounds. Oh, I hadn't even meant that one. <laughs> it's very pretty, though, even as a building site. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, the Flint Center is actually in in uh, on the campus of uh, De Anza College, which I think is where they did the original homebrew uh, computer club. Oh, wow. stuff, right? That's a bit of history. Yeah. Cool. Um. <laughs> The first link in the show notes is one that listeners may find particularly useful, and we got to say thank you very much to the Mac Observer. They just collected all the links relevant to the giant big keynote and put them all on one page. So I've put that at the very top of this section in the show notes because, frankly, it's such a useful page. <laughs> That's so awesome. we should probably just do this in the order Apple did. Um, none of the usual Tim Cook telling us the state of Apple and showing us videos of people running into a new store and getting high-fived. None of that carry on. Straight into new iPhones, and unsurprisingly, iPhone 6. Um, They're big, so you can have a 4.7-inch iPhone 6, or a 5.5-inch iPhone 6 Plus. So the first question is, has anyone on the panel availed of these new phones? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I have ordered one today. Ooh. In fact, I'm fi- I'm fibbing slightly. I ordered the 4.7 yesterday, so uh, okay. So you're going 4.7, Adam. You went. I went with the Genorma phone, the 5.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, did, did you order any, or are you staying put? Uh, I'm staying put on my uh, Android for a little while longer, but it's it's tempting me. And you, so you're an Android user. Are you Android at least in part because of big screens, or just for other reasons? Uh, no, it was mostly because of big screens, really. I wanted a, something a bit bigger than the the uh, four-inch iPhone. Yeah. Um, well, in fact, I went from a four, which was to, even smaller. That was, was it yeah, 3. That was three point three point seven. 3. I think. 5. Yeah. Three point five. Okay. Yeah. Three point yeah. five. Oh, there you go. So I, I went from that to a four point seven. Then, um, so yeah, I've been waiting for Apple to catch up, really. And which of those two phones now, the the six and the six plus, tempts you the most? Uh, I. Th- think the 4.7 uh, i think so you five, want big but not yeah i think the other one just looks a little bit i've seen it in people's hands you know and it just looks a little bit unwieldy I'd, i'm going to so, i'm going to wait and see and i'm going to try them both <laughs> and see, which what, android see what they are you feel rock, like which android are you uh, carrying 
uh, I've got an HTC One. Cool. I think that's that's also similar in size to the four point seven, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like I like the size. It's a good size. It's just that little bit bigger. It, I mean, I tend to keep it most days in my top jacket pocket, which it, which it, and it and it's. Still- but it fits quite comfortably in there, and that's, I suppose that's my criteria, really. If it won't fit in my top pocket, it's going to be too big. That's, that's an interesting criteria, because so for me, it's pant pockets. But, yeah, if you wear jackets, then that's a bigger pocket to work with. Yeah, I must admit, that is one thing that um, swayed me as well. And I, I think we've had this conversation in the past, Bart, with hmm. uh, with Alison. And I said then that I wouldn't go, if they came up with a real big phone, I wouldn't go with a big phone, because... I do carry the phone around a lot with me. It's always in my hand. It's very often got uh, an earpiece in it, and I'm listening to podcasts normally. Yeah. Uh, very often, Adam. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's 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 something which you, you know. I, I've, there's a few guys at work with some uh, various different Samsung and, and larger, close to the 5.5 size phones, and I have tried them just for size wise, and I, I just think that they were too, too big for me. So. Yeah. We spent some time in the office. There's a link in the show notes to a an actual size printout of the, or sort of a, an image that's actual size of these phones you can put up on your screen, and I'm presuming it's doing some sort of DPI thing to do that. And we just got everyone in the office to put their phones on my screen. Terrible fingerprints on my screen. Bad idea. But anyway, <laughs> it, it was interesting that the six the, the the six plus is actually marginally bigger than a Galaxy Note. Yes, and that surprised me. <laughs> no end because it's, it's huge i have now, two colleagues with notes and we rip the piss out of them mercilessly <laughs> and there's just nothing about their phones that tempts me so i'm certainly not tempted by by a six plus but interestingly my uh, another colleague of mine has a life. windows a nokia phone one of the one of the lumias that's known for the good cameras and it is just mm. perfectly exactly the same size as the six what you just said there, Adam, actually was one thing that concerned me about getting the 4.7, but somebody at work actually uh, got the 4.7, and he's quite happy with the battery life and says it's yeah. doing quite well. But obviously yeah. the battery life you'll have in yours, will, well, it'll probably power a small MacBook, I should think. <laughs> it's, it's a 2900-plus uh, milliamp-hour battery. What I find a, a little bit well, frustrating. And the, the six, sorry, the six for for perspective, the six has an eighteen hundred, so it's basically double the battery size of the the six. And some of that goes right. to driving extra pixels. Absolutely, and the rest Absolutely. of it is extra capacity for you. Yeah, yeah, but I've even heard from folks. I I was at my user group meeting last night, and there were several people with the six, and they're it, you know they're getting twenty thirty percent better battery life on the six yeah. than they did on the five five oh, S. Wow. So, okay, yeah. Yeah, what what I find a little bit frustrating, I suppose, um, about the six is that they've Apple have now listened to everyone clamouring for larger phones, mm-hmm. uh, but they haven't really listened to people saying, "And we want better, better, uh, better battery life," because I think I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of people would quite happily have the four point seven inch, but a, a little bit thicker, mm-hmm. and get ba- and get better battery life out of it. Well, you may say that, but I, and I think probably Apple looked at that. But the guy who's got the four point seven at work and is a one-handed phone user, um, 
I've tried it and I've been thinking if it was thicker, it wouldn't sit in the hand quite as well. So I'm just wondering how many, how much experimenting, and I'm sure Apple did a lot of experimenting with different thicknesses of those, all of those phones. And I've tried it and I have thought, because it's also very slippery. Um, Mm. Adam, yours is probably slightly different because you're probably holding it and you. Oh, did cut out there? Yeah, was it just Gaz we lost, or I was hoping it wasn't on my end. I'm still here, as far as I know. No, you're still here, Gaz. Yep. Are you you back with us? Here's to Gaz. No, I th- I think we'll have to to wait for. I Gaz. can I can I can assume what he was going to ask about is you know is is it slippery? Um, mm. Mine immediately went into a leather apple case. Right, so that's so, grippy leather. Yeah, it's and it's nice. It's got a really nice feel in the hand. It's overpriced. <laughs> I know that, but I I I got one for my 5s and I just love it. I love how thin it is. Um, I, you know, because I prefer actually naked phones. But when the chamfered edges started getting scratched up on my five, I I switched to using the Apple case just to kind of protect the finish. And I like it on the on the six six plus a, a lot because it hides the ugliness of the back of the phone, which I think is just hideous. And the, the the design with those what I call the Tron lines or the antenna lines are just not ugly. <laughs> no, so now it's beautiful. You know, hopefully it's I'm back. A, yes, welcome yep. back, as. Um, yes, I think you picked up what I was where I was going with that one, and. Uh, um, so, so in response to what Adam was just saying, I've also ordered a case with it, which is not something I normally do. I like to have uh, my phones naked, as it were. Yeah. What's great about the Apple case is, I mean, it's so thin, it's barely, it's barely a case at all. And it actually does afford some level of protection. I just watched a video, um, some drop test videos. One of the organizations tested the different, you know, the the was it neoprene or whatever hmm. the rubberized case and the leather cases um the neoprene seemed to protect a little bit better but the leather case does a pretty good job and then again it all comes down to angles and physics and stuff like that you drop any phone the right way it's gonna <laughs> yeah you know, it's gonna meet its meet its maker so to say and and there are uh, there are real you, you gotta be someone unlucky sometimes as well to get it to break because I must have dropped my five a million times until one day it fell exactly on the corner and it didn't even fall more than a foot. And that was right. enough. You know, yeah, just, I had some... Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say I had somebody uh, email me who was very upset because you know, their wife's dropped maybe three feet onto concrete. But I said, you know, it's just angles and yeah. you know surfaces and it just depends on exactly what happens. One thing I wanted to mention earlier about the, the top pocket large phone thing that I just wanted to point out, and I've seen this in a couple images because people have been posting, you know, will it fit in pocket in your pocket sort of um, images, and they've been comparing it to like the Samsung phones. Apple is a genius about uh, recognizing small things like this and their branding. So <laughs> historically, the Apple logo on Apple's phones has been sort of centered in the back, right? Yeah. yeah. If you look at if you look at the six plus, and I don't know if this is the same on the six because I don't have one to, for reference. The Apple logo is actually pushed up toward the top. So if you do put your six plus in your top shirt pocket, the logo sticks out right over the top edge of your pocket. <laughs> now I'm the not Samsung sure. My phone, five, it's in the right? middle, and, and and Samsung gets buried inside the pocket, even though the phone is sticking out the top. So where is it on your phone, Bart? Because on, on the mine, five... it's it's in line with the volume buttons in the middle of the back. So it's not in yes. the center center. It's it's up sort of the at the three quarter mark. So okay. I'll ask I'll ask the question: Were they planning? Were they? 
were they planning it those many years ago? Of course they were. <laughs> I, I think know. actually, I think it's actually laid out so that the the FCC icons at the bottom counterweight the logo at the top. Yeah, and those get to go away. I don't even know if oh. they are on the six because they passed a new ruling that they could be virtual now. Oh, thank you. So if they're that. in the uh, if they're in the inter, you know, the about screen, yeah, they're still on the back of this one. But I think um, I, I read something somewhere where those can now literally oh, be virtualized. Good. Yeah, because they really are awful. <laughs> you know, when when you think about it, and how much Apple pay attention to things, you know, FCC, don't throw it in the bin, CE, whatever that other one means. Why is there an exclamation point on my iPhone? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. So I don't know if it was intentional, but I just noticed that, like, in all those images, they'll show the Apple one, and there's the Apple logo staring you in the face, and then the Samsung is just the you know sort of the top of the phone and the camera. I, I didn't realize on the I thought in the older phones it was more centered, but maybe it was just because they're smaller devices. It, relatively seemed more centered but it, it's maybe in exactly the same spot and just because the phone is bigger now it you know sort of sits up higher yeah i i recently came across a friend with with a four and it looks tiny it's such a tiny <laughs> little phone can i also say if you are a one-handed user adam uh yeah. the the logo will show in your hand as well. Because when you're holding the phone and looking at it, if you turn it round, you'll see that your index finger is probably just below that Apple logo. Right. Yeah, the, no, I was I, trying it here, and you're dead right, guys. It just sticks out perfectly. And, you know, so I was, I was hemming and hawing, and for a while I thought I might take the, the 5 or the 6 Plus back because it really is. It's too big. It is not in any way, shape, or form a one-handed device. But then I was talking to a number of folks who have the 6, mm-hmm. and... Even the six is not one handable. I think Steve Jobs was exactly right when he said the four inch was sort of the absolute limit for really using it one handed. And I'm, mm. I mean, where you can reach the entire screen without having to sort of shift your hand all around or do the phone juggling thing. You know, you actually can make it work uh, as opposed to with the six and even the six plus, you have to kind of have these workarounds like reachability or you have to change your grip and kind of slide the phone back and forth, which to me is just, uh, you know, asking for disaster, um, sort of juggling so, a phone in one hand. You're, you're, I, I'd love to know the, the statistics on it, but I would assume you're infinitely many times more likely to actually fumble and drop it. I have heard lots of stories about people with the 6, and well, not, not so much the 6 Plus, but certainly the 6, um, saying exactly that. It's flown out of people's hand. And I wonder how many people it will take Apple um, to actually change the 5S next time around, i.e. so many people come back with a 6 and say, it's too big, I need a 5S. And how, how many of those it will take Apple to say, okay, next year we'll have a 4 in this same design? That's what I was, you know, it's funny. I've had a couple of people asking that. And I think uh, Michael Johnston, who I do the iOS show with, with Jeff Gamet, he is, he is lobbying for that. He, you know, he really <laughs> wants on that list. I mean, I, because I broke my first iPhone 5S a few months ago by dropping it a small distance onto a corner, I now have a new phone and therefore I, am, I wasn't in the market anyway. But nothing here made me think, oh, if only I hadn't been on contract. Because frankly, right. there's nothing here for me. It, it's just... I have small hands anyway, and the four really, the, you know, my, my five genuinely is the limit for what I can hold one-handed. And I have an iPad. I don't have need of a second portable small touchscreen device. I have my phone, my iPad, and my laptop. There's no room. It's full. Which, which iPad do you have? 
Uh, the full size, the the, the four, the fourth gen, so the one before okay. the air. Yeah. So one of the things I had done was I had sort of, I had an iPad mini for a while and I gave it up for an Air. And the main reason was that I found with the Air, I could actually, you know, kind of do work. And the mini felt like it was sort of a compromise. So the Air became that thing when I don't want to take my laptop, you know, I can grab my Air and I can use that to take notes and do the, do the things I need to do for show prep and stuff like that. Um, but there are those instances where I will be out and about and I didn't bring my air with me and I just have my iPhone 5S and I'll be like, oh, I want to, I want to, I have a little bit of time here. I want to do some work and trying to do anything real on the 5S was, I mean, it was, you could do it, but it was not a good no, experience. The 5S is good for many things. I mean, it, it is good at being a phone, but it's not good at taking notes. I'll just no, it's not. That. And I would, I don't even use it for that, but. To me, the yeah, iPad no, 4 is pinch. perfect for that. Yeah, and this was in a pinch sort of thing. Yeah. So what I was kind of feeling, and, and so in a pinch, when I had the Mini, the Mini did work for that. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to try the 5 or the 6 Plus mm-hmm. because maybe it can better fill that capacity. And that's so far proven to be true. I've been forcing myself not to bring my iPad Air with me just so that I'm forced to kind of do actual work when I want to do it on the 6 Plus. And it's a pretty good experience. You know, it does kind of fill that sort of iPad mini, mini, you know, mini sort of realm. <laughs> yeah. um, it's ridiculous for a phone sometimes, and I, I hate that part of it. And I was telling some folks, you know, the worst part, if it was just a hair narrower, I think it would be better because my problem with the sort of one-handed use is I can do it one-handed, but my thumb does not reach all the way across the bottom width of the phone specifically to get to the um, number button, you know, the oh, number yes. punctuation button. Yeah. That is, a, I have to literally stretch my thumb and, it, and if I have to do, you know, any amount of typing, my hand starts to, you know, physically hurt. And very often I'll miss and hit the, um, hit the keyboard button, you know, the little yeah. globe. Yeah. And then that's just frustrating because it's like you got to cycle through, you know, to get back to the... Yeah, to the proper keyboard. Perhaps the next generation is going to have a handle on the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just real. I've just resolved this a two-handed device, and I sort of realized that I think even with my 5s, my my most common use case would be I keep it in my left front pocket, taking it out with my left hand, and you know pecking away at it with my right hand. And I think I use it that way probably more than you know seventy percent of the time. So now, I think I think a lot of people. Do actually. I mean, one of the things I asked, um, I think, oh, sorry, <laughs> I'll start again. Um, I believe that um, if you actually ask someone to take their phone out of their pocket and send you a text, nine out of 10 people will take their phone out with one hand and, and use their other hand on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always believed that this obsession of Apple's about um, y- using one hand, while I understand that some people do. I think the vast majority of people probably only do that very occasionally. I may, I may be the exception, but I am a very, very one-handed phone person. My phone is in the pocket of the hand that is usually free, my left hand, and I use my phone left-handed all the time, and usually because I have something under my right arm or I'm holding right. something or, you know, and I, or, or if I'm out cycling, you know, I'll be holding my handlebars with one hand and changing podcasts with the other hand. And, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, each to their own, as they say. Yeah, but no, it's it's something I end up doing a lot. Maybe maybe I need maybe I need a rucksack more often or something. But I usually have something under my right arm <laughs> when I'm out and about. Um, well, there's 
Yeah, there's definitely a whole marketing uh, opportunity or a whole product opportunity for for folks to make alternative um, sort of uh, products for carrying around your giant um, iPhone because it doesn't fit in 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 your pocket. Yeah. So, so when, are we, when are we going to get adjustable displays? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, as in you can stretch it out and make a big right, yeah, phone or, or fold it or roll it. Yeah, yeah sure. pinch and zoom, but with the display. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be quite impressive. So definitely getting futuristic, though. Um, okay, well, Adam, you, you've actually had it. So uh, anything else yeah. you, you think we should, we should cover here so, since you've been at the coalface of this? Um, you know, so I can kind of say, you know, part of the reasons why there's, there's a few key reasons why I've sort of decided to hold on to it. You know, one just being, hey, I made my choice and I'm gonna, I'm, I should live with it. And, you know, I get a new phone every year, so it's not, it's not that long. So I'm going to give it a, go, a good go for a year and we'll see what happens when the 6S comes out and which way I decide to go after actually using it. But the other thing is, I, is that I do like sort of some of the UI possibilities that are opened mm. up with the larger display. Again, because I'm looking at it as this device that if I have it with me, I can actually kind of do some workflow stuff on it and not feel like I'm having as big a compromise. It's always going to be a compromise because even at you know 5.5, it's not an iPad. Um, yeah. But it could get me through in a pinch. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what developers do with it because I love the Mac developer community. And I think there's so many smart, brilliant people in there. I think they're going to do some really creative things with kind of the extra space that they have on the 6 Plus. And mm. so, I'm, you know, I don't want to miss out on that stuff when it starts happening. And I just felt if I took it back, I was going to miss out on that, on that sort of thing. So I like, you know, in contacts that I turn it in, I get the little, you know, extra stuff. I like that in messages, you know, that the little faces appear. I like that in landscape mode and mail i have my mailboxes right there and i don't have to swipe to get you know to get back to them so and if you are someone who uh, really likes watching films yes it's got to be pretty good (laughs) it it's really really nice uh watching videos and movies so that's another thing you know on the plane i will typically have my ipad but even you know depending on which whose coach you're in it can even be tight to kind of even put it up on it prop it up on its stand on the tray yeah. So, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some nice advantages, you know, and the the camera image stabilization is a nice thing. That's not a huge huge seller for me. Um, but I'm but, sure, I'm sure it's important to, to to some people though. Yeah. Although, of course, yeah. the bigger the phone gets, the less comfortable it is as a camera. Yeah. The, the, so the two features that sort of allowed me to kind of justify keeping it and were you know the potential of the UI and um, the battery. I mean, the battery is just. It's it's crazy because I can get through the end of the day and be well above fifty percent, you know, with my normal usage, which just never happened before. And so I look at things like Mac World, where I'm always carrying batteries around and searching for the outlet, and thinking I may only have to do that, you know, once a day instead of twice a day or whatever it might be when I'm when I'm doing real heavy usage. Yeah. Um. Just uh, moving on a little through through. So they went on sale, obviously, since you bought one, Adam. Um. And the question was, ooh, how many will they sell? Will they break last year's record? Ooh, well, last year they were overestimating, so they couldn't possibly do as many, because they're going to be honest this year. Well, anyway, 10 million. And uh, really, that's not... I, I think that's a, a reflection of how many they can make rather than a reflection of how many they can sell. Which is well, and that was the, oh, just the opening weekend, too, yes. right? So we so don't have days, updated, yeah. updated numbers because they launched in 20-some-odd other countries recently, right? Right, not including China even in all of, in in the numbers that have come out, which is interesting because China is getting it on October the seventeenth. So yeah, it, it's Lump. selling well. 
Many of them got him uh, on the yeah. 19th yeah, okay, or the 20th. True, yeah. <laughs> Via the long route. <laughs> um, I fixed it also, ripped it apart, as one does. And um, I, I think they might have surprised themselves because they had to say it was easy to repair, which I don't believe I ever said before. What did they did they give it like a seven? I don't remember Something the crazy. exact number, but I remember everyone going, Whoa, that that hasn't happened before. Yeah. They usually give it like a two. Yeah, it's it's usually an awful score and they, they moan about it, but interesting. Maybe making it bigger does make it easier to make it repairable. The other thing then is that DXO Mark do sort of scientific testing of cameras and um the iPhone six and six plus are narrowly, but nonetheless, at the top of their list now. They are, as far as DxO Mark is concerned, scientifically speaking, the best smartphone cameras, which is no bad thing. And this is regardless of megapixels, right? Yes. So, it, I mean, their tests are about various things to do with the image quality. So it's not just how many megapixels do you have and what F number do you have. It's how do the pictures actually come out? And in Apple's case, software is such a big part of that. Yep. But oh, yeah, it? It, all, it all it all counts. Uh, Square Trade dropped them, uh, dropped them hard and dropped them often, and decided that they were the most droppable iPhone so far um, in terms of not breaking. Uh, although they may be the most droppable iPhone so far in terms of slidiness too. <laughs> Which you wouldn't have believed if you watched the launch day videos of people dropping them. <laughs> well, that was a, some poor kid showed it off to a journalist and then it <laughs> fell. Yeah. Yeah, but not even that one. Like there were some people that actually did pretty what looked like pretty scientific drop tests, you know, or at least were trying to do repeatable drop tests, yeah. and and they didn't fare any better than you know, it, in my mind, some of the previous models, you know, dropping from about you know mid height, mid person height, so four to six feet, you know, onto concrete. But again, I just you know when some of my audience were writing back saying, "Well, they're terrible, they're going to break," and I said, "Well, you know, physics, concrete, glass." They're not you know, I think people, well, people think, you know, we're on Gorilla Glass 3 or, you know, Ion X Glass, whatever it is, you know, the technology is supposed to be advancing, but at the end, of, it's like at the end of the day, it's still glass. It's, yeah, you know. that's right. <laughs> something that's hard is almost always brittle. And something that's hard and see-through is so hard to make not brittle. Yeah. It, it, it's just difficult yeah. science. And then I've had people say, well... Why don't they do plastic? It's like, have you ever had plastic uh, lenses on your glasses? They no, scratch no, like no, you no, would no, not no. believe. <laughs> yeah, I've had yeah. plastic phones. They were called cheap old Nokia's. It did not go well for the glass. Yeah, if you if you like if you like a foggy a foggy image, I guess then. Yeah. No, that's not good. <laughs> sorry, sorry to jump in. Um, no, no, Bart, but just going back to that DXO uh, yes. website, yeah. um, I was surprised just to see that the um, the six got a slightly higher rating on the video than they. Six plus. Yeah, that made me go, who? Huh? But it is just like a point one, so it's not huge. Yeah, it's a bit odd, so. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because especially with the um, uh, the optical um, capabilities of the six plus over the uh, the six, I was uh, well. Then perhaps perhaps it's because of the stability of the smaller phone being held firmer. I don't know. I don't know. I'll it just, is weird, though, isn't it? That, well, what, what you know, were they? What were they analyzing? You, you'd have to. Kind well, of that's why I'm just. I'm just trying. I'm just trying tests. to look through and see if I can find you know the reasoning for that. Uh, so if 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 I come across it, then uh, say, yeah, I'll it should be the it. same. I think it's almost. The, I exactly would have thought it had been. I would have, yeah, I would have thought it had been the same. But well, it's the, possible that the stabilization, which helps with photographs, may slightly hinder with video. Possibly. Possibly. You know, that sensor jiggling around when you're taking a moving image may cause some funny effects. You know, yeah. Especially if you're panning. Mm. Yeah. 
Maybe there was some jittery. But as you say, it is only one. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we know that it's it, it's strong to drop. It takes good pictures. And then the internet went bonkers. Totally, <laughs> completely crazy. Floppily doppily phones. They bend all over the place. So, <laughs> Adam, did you have a rubber phone in your pocket? No. But again, again, uh, the answer here was physics, right? Yes. <laughs> like, the lever You is have a point, you know, seven millimeter thin device with even thinner aluminum shell on it. And guess what? You put enough pressure on aluminum, it, it bends. bends. Yeah, I, I keep being reminded of will it bend. It's not steel. It's not titanium. You know? Will it bend? Yes, it will. Of course it will. <laughs> what I actually find most interesting about Bend Gator, you, you, you said that they started calling it Bend Gazi? Yes, Bend Gazi. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> anyway, it, what I find most fascinating is how quick Apple were to jump straight to the eventual solution of Antenna Gate. Yes. They, they didn't wait. They just went, here is our lab, dear journalists. Come in, have a look around. By the way, they're not just aluminium. We reinforced them with titanium in the places that we know to be weaker because we've been cutting out holes and stuff and they, they just immediately went look and here's the test you do and the, the image that just stuck in my head was the picture of the iPhone 6 being gripped on two ends by a vice and the vices were being twisted relative to each other and the phone was being torqued horribly it's like oh horrible to see that done to a phone but that's what Apple should be doing and you know it's good to see they are and you know doing the scientific tests of it will take this amount of pounds of force and it will be fine yeah yeah, and the, the, again, the key is everything comes back to science, doesn't it? Because yes. uh, I had a I had a friend who I I really trust who sent me a picture of his. He he said, "Look what I did," and he sent me a, a picture, and he sure enough had a bent iPhone six plus. If, and if, we all went, "What the he- what happened? How did this happen?" And he said, "You know, it was in the middle of my suitcase. He was traveling in the middle of his suitcase. The suitcase fell over." Mm-hmm. You know, hit the ground, and then he opened it up, and it was just bent. So something so, hit it in the middle, and it's something hit it something. in the right place with the right amount of force. Yeah, I don't have no idea what it what it specifically was. You know, if it was a bottle of shampoo or something. You know, who knows? Something hit it at the bottom or in the middle. Yeah, but you know, he just contacted Apple, and they swapped it for him. So. Adam, I, I know what you're saying about it, it, it's science and physics, but actually there's an awful lot of perception out there as well, and that's why Apple had to move fast. Oh, uh, absolutely. They, know, they, did the right, they did the right thing. But no, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, the people who are shocked and then turning oh, around yeah, and going, they're, they're, they're well, just, the Galaxy yeah. phones don't bend. Well, they're, they're shells made of plastic. Well, yeah, they shatter when you go too far. Yeah, but and, and the thing is, they say that. But how many phones have they had, and how many of the different phones they've had? You know, it's 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 all about perception again. Because how many of those Android phones have been out there and have bent, and nobody's reported it? Because nobody, I'm not. I, I really don't like saying this, but nobody cares. <laughs> well, it's not the same link bait, frankly, no. as bendy no. iPhone six. Bendy yeah. iPhone six yeah. gets you lots of clicks. Well. And app, the best part of Apple's reaction was one disclosing how many people have, you know, complained about bounce. That was phones. brilliant. That was and brilliant. then secondly, you know, saying, "Hey, look, if if this happens, you know, we will take care of it." Yes, and actually, just on the mention of different brands of phones bending, and in fact, different phones, including older iPhones, they can also be bent. So, Cult and Mac put a little post together of lots of pictures of bent phones from all different makes and models and sizes, <laughs> including trusty fives, uh, and my right. five, you know. I have a five, and it's bendable, but I haven't really had a problem with it bending. Again, right pressure point, right places, right scenario, 
things happen. Yeah, and I thought it was very interesting that some of the commentary was, well, I mean, there's obviously a design flaw because look where it bent. It bent at the buttons. It's like, oh, my God, no, that's called physics. <laughs> yeah. Your car bent at the crumple zone, too. <laughs> yeah, guess what? There's cutouts there. There's less metal. Yeah, it is going to break there, but the fact that it took way more force than it actually needs to be able to withstand is what's important, not where it then broke. Yeah, because uh, was it consumer consumer reports yes. came out and they tested a bunch of phones and actually put scientific numbers to it. And um, oddly, the six plus I think was able to take more force before bending than the six. Yeah, because they obviously Apple test. put more reinforcement in because they knew physics. Well, one thing that um, I actually did try i've got to say this is is this sort of ben gate but it's not ben gate it's okay. it's, it's i'm going to call it bobble gate what um bobble gate um and that was because i was a little concerned that if i had an, my naked phone on the table on the mm. desk which i often have at work and i'll often then just tap on it how much bobbling and wobbling it will do with the uh, sticky out camera at the top oh, and it yes. and it does but of course um, because it's so slippy, I really need a case, and that's going to negate the little yep. bubble, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because it's, really the... it's not thick, that little sticky out of it, right? Yeah. Is it even as thick as a credit card? No, that that's, but that's what's, that's what's most annoying about it, and I forget who was saying it earlier, you know, why not just, it's, it's, it's a millimeter or less. So you're yeah. so close, why not just make the whole phone a little bit thicker? You're, you know, it, so it'd be, you know, seven point, or not a millimeter, it's probably a tenth of a millimeter, whatever it is, yeah. you know, it'd be of course, seven point the one thing two that millimeters that, thick. The one thing that would do, of course, and one thing would make it that much heavier. Because they would use, they wouldn't leave that space unutilized. They would have put sure. battery space in there. So, and that's, I think you know, both phones might already be heavier than the five. Anyway, precisely, right? precisely. That, that's my point. So, if they'd made the 4.7, you know, that, that much thicker, then they would have made it that much heavier. And they're probably thinking it's already, you know, perhaps. Yeah, but they could have made it, maybe had 10% more battery on each model. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it all depends on which engineer is obviously making some decisions on what he prefers. Well, yeah. I imagine that's probably even above the engineer pay grade for someone uh, saying, well, probably. Well, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. The bonus of the bump on the desk thing, you know, is mm-hmm. that you, if you really got in trouble, you could tap out some Morse code and get some help. Um, just to put some numbers on this, so uh, as Adam said, Consumer Reports put the science to it and they did a three-point bend test and they measured two things. They measured the point when the phone stopped returning to its original shape when they took the pressure off, which they call the point of deformation. And effectively, that's when your phone is bent, right? If you flex right. it and it doesn't flex back, it's bent. And then the other thing, they kept going. They didn't stop once they found this point. They went until the case gave way. So the point of case separation. And so the uh, HTC One, so they basically they took Apple's phones, some Sams- a Samsung phone, the Note 3, and the HTC One and the LG G3. Uh, so the iPhone 5, the iPhone 6, and the iPhone 6 Plus. And so the, you know, the iPhone isn't near the top of the list, right? The Samsung Galaxy Note 3 is stronger than the iPhone. But that doesn't mean the iPhone is broken or flawed it's just not as robust as the galaxy note 3 so the galaxy note 3 takes 150 pounds of force and strangely you know well i guess not strangely because it's made of plastic so is that to the bend point well no that has the same amount of force for both okay. when it gives it gives <laughs> it doesn't flex right? It, right it's going it's going the plastic goes good day good night you're finished right and which is how plastic works whereas sure. metal will bend plastic just goes 
The next one then is the good old iPhone 5. Takes £130 until it bends and £150 until it breaks. Then you have the LG G3, which is the same, except it breaks when it bends because, again, it's a plastic phone. So those two come together, £130, and it's just gone, gone. And then you hit the 6 Plus, which takes £90 of force to bend and 110 to separate. And then the iPhone 6 is down at £70 and £100 of force to separate. And the HTC One is 70 and 90 So, you know, it, it, Apple is in the range. It is not... It's not the top of the range, but it is by no means scandalously weak. Yeah, I, w- I would love to know a chart of what kind of forces and pressure at different weights are put on a device when it's basically sat on. I want somebody to do this mm. the like real-world sort of sit test. So if I have it in my back pocket and I sit on a hard surface, you know, yeah. wh- what kind of force is applied at that point? At diff- You'd obviously have to do it at different weights for different weight people, but, and you know, at tightness of 150 pounds, you know, at 175 pounds, at 200 pounds, you know, maybe in 25-pound increments. What is the actual force? Is that 70 pounds of force? Is that 40 pounds of force? You know, what is that sort of thing? You see, I would just never sit on a phone. I couldn't bring myself to sit on me, me, Well, that's the other thing about this whole thing that's crazy is, you know, people like, ah, I had it in my front pocket and I sat down and it bent. No, because if I have my phone in my front pocket and it's so tight that, you know, my thigh and my hip are going to, you know, push on either end to sort of start flexing it, I'm going to take my phone out because that that's going to hurt. Right. You I know, mean, it's going to hurt long before the phone starts bending. If it was in your <laughs> if it was in your side pocket, the bend would be the other way. <laughs> Physics. But anyway, well, it depends on how you have it oriented. But my point is, is you're going to take it out long before it's going to bend because it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be and same thing, you know, when you're back pocket. I I've had my phone, forgotten my phone is in the back pocket, started to sit down and like, "Oh, what's that? That's that doesn't feel good." And you take, take it, it out. out. Yeah. Don't, don't you think we're actually getting to the point of sort of um, microwave silliness? Yes. Uh, do you remember when they had to put the sort of um, instructions with microwaves to say, yes, you don't put your dog in it because <laughs> that's not good? Um, whenever when you're getting... saying don't, you always know someone did. Oh. <laughs> yes. But when Were you leading into the, into the iPhone charging scam? No. no. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't actually going to mention that, but now you've mentioned it, we'll have a laugh. And then we get back to you, Nick, sorry. Oh, go on, carry on. I thought you were going to bring up, so there was an email going out telling people that they could charge their iPhone by putting it in the microwave. As a feature of iOS 8, of all things. Yeah. Because the OS update was going to bring microwaveability to your phone. and you Micro- charge Microwave charging. Do they not do that, wave, people. Wasn't it? Apple Wave. Which I, I just thought Google and failure, but what do I know? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Nick, we interrupted you. Yeah, I apologize. Hello? I think he quit in protest. Have we lost the Nick? That'd be terrible timing. (laughs) Oh, we have lost the Nick. He's gone to little flashy lights on Skype. Oop. Oh, dear. Hopefully he'll be back with us in a moment. I've got to to say, though, we'd probably um, uh, killed this or bent this to death. We have. I do do think it's a bit of a non-story overall. It is, but unfortunately because of the... Everyone was talking about it. The, they, they made it into a story, yes. Yeah, I mean, everyone, you know, people who have no interest in tech were talking about how terrible it was that Apple had completely fluffed their shiny new phone. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like someone said, you know, it's like if if someone went into a television shop with a baseball bat, smashed up a 50 inch screen and went, look, it's just not fit for purpose. Yeah, when, when you know, the checkout person at the grocery store who, you know, has a flip phone says, I heard the new iPhones are bending. 
you know you yeah. have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we should move on. You're right. Um, so the next thing to be announced was Apple Pay, and we're—I don't think we can talk about this for nearly as long because it's a little bit in the future. Uh, although by the end, by the next show, it will hopefully be in the present for those lucky enough to live in the United States of America and to have an iPhone six or six plus. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this because I, I pay. We've got most of the stores around me take uh, contactless payment, and I much prefer this process because rather than just put my card over the uh, the device, uh, the recorder which takes it, mm. now I've got to put the card there or the phone there and just authorize it with my you know my uh, fingerprint, which I think mm. is a much more secure and and better way of doing it. And and, mm-hmm. and it'll be it won't be that much longer. It'll still be quite a quick process so and certainly compared to having to hand the device over to you and you type your pin in like we do in europe or like do you guys have to sign for debit card transactions adam or how, how does that work yeah uh no for debit card it's swipe and pin oh you do have pin on debit cards okay yeah but not credit cards credit cards are swipe and sign okay so yeah so we have chip and pin on everything yeah and then now we have this contact list coming in now i actually made my bank take back my contactless card <laughs> I didn't ask for it. I just got a present of a new of a new debit card, and I walked into a shop and my, and I went to put my pin. And went, oh no no, you don't have to do that. Look, beep, and I was like, what? <laughs> you have my money and I did nothing. And do, I, do they not have a do they not have a payment limit though on that kind of transaction? They do. It's, it's fifteen euro. Uh, yeah. It's fifteen euro, which is about twenty dollars ish. And it's three of those a day, so that's 45 euro. And I have two debit cards, so that's 90 euro. And frankly, I don't want to have 90 euro of effective cash in my pocket at all times. Well, and it's not, it's worse than effective cash because you can get a scan by, can't you? You can, yeah, well, yeah, because there's no authorization, it, it is conceivable that if I w- waggle my wallet around inconveniently somewhere, someone will go beep. Well, or more, too. you have a nefarious person with a you know sort of handheld you know thing wired to some sort of backpack or something that oh, they yeah, could of course. And just swing by and payment, just, yeah. Yes, no, I don't know where it would go. Or if I they guess it would have to have some thing, sort of but, merchant account, but it's all possible. It's just the, the notion of being able to just take money without you even knowing it is just wrong to me. Well, and so that that brings up one of the benefits of uh, the Apple Pay system mm. and the, why they were saying they can probably get past that sort of limit is because there's a second form of verification so yes someone could come scan by you but then your phone's going to pop up an alert and say hey we're we want to charge a hundred dollars to your account is this okay press the touch id yeah you know so there's a there's a stop and on the watch apparently the way it works is you have to press and hold that um that button that's on the side there's a watch yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also, actually, the watch you have to reauthorize every time it comes out of skin contact. Yeah, which is yep. clever. So as long as it's on your arm, it's the, the authorization holds. But yeah, so the other thing, of course, they're doing is they're not—they're actually doing everything effectively through one-time credit card numbers. Yes, which means that if even if someone something someone is nefarious and they steal the the data on the back end of the till, I mean, goodness knows we've heard enough about that in recent times with, with Target and. The Home Depot and whatnot going on over there. Yeah, have you read about how this kind of works? So we, I kind of talked about this in the in the into my user group last night, and somebody did a really good article. I have a reference to it in the Maccast from a couple uh, shows ago, but somebody wrote up a really nice uh, synopsis of actually how this works. So okay. when could you, could you drop when, that link? When you put, you, 
I'll put it in the show. Yeah, notes. I'll try and find it. But basically, when you put your card in, there's a, you know there's a special chip, and we don't know if it's built into. Apple wasn't clear on whether it was a whole separate special chip that's in, on the board or if it's something that's built into the secure element. Yeah, and so when you put the card in, what it does is then generates a you know an ID, a, basically a hashed ID that is that card reference for the bank, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you actually make your transaction, I believe it uses that ID. Plus, it generates what they're calling a one-time sort of security code Mm -hmm. and then hashes everything up. And then that's what actually gets used for the actual, you know, that one transaction. So that's sort of what's passed back and forth. And so when that gets back to the, you know, card issuing bank or wherever it might be, the payment processor, that's, you know, then tied back to your account. They sort of figure everything out. So what's great is your card number, even it's my understanding or it seems like even what you've scanned in as your card number just sort of becomes an identifier of this is you and this is this card from this bank sort yes. of thing. And, yeah, and the bank has doesn't even ever these. leave the device. Yeah. You know, it's stored in that secure chip and never leaves the device. What gets generated is this sort of one-time transaction sort of code number ID. Which just, is effectively awesome. the idea. A lot, a lot of banks here give you this option to log on to their website if you have a credit card with them. And request right. a one-time credit card number, which looks like a normal credit card number, but it comes with, you basically say it is only to be used on this date, or it is only to be used up to this limit, or is it only to be used to this vendor? You know, some sort of condition on it. Right. And then you can use that number, and even if it gets stolen, it can never be used again because it breaches the conditions, and that's that. And so what I sort of imagine is that Apple are doing the same logic, but it's all automated and behind the scenes, instead of you having to log on to a website, request the number, da 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 yeah. So even if you get a man in the middle, that sort of thing, they they're not going to be able to do much with that one transaction yeah. number. And that's also why the banks are interested in this because American banks, in particular, I mean, there's still fraud in Europe, and the, the European banks lose money, but American banks lose tons of money to fraud. Well, ours is ours is a joke. Um, there's a there's a you know NPR, a national public radio podcast here called Planet Money, and they did a whole thing on the whole um, signature. Mm-hmm sort of aspect of things. And it used to be they had, you know, teams of people at banks that would actually look at the signatures when they came right. in and try and determine, you know, was this sign legitimate? They don't even do that anymore. You know, so they were saying, you know, you could draw a picture on that thing and, you hi, know, mom. it would go through just fine. <laughs> just right, so hi, mom. And it's like yeah. a, the, the signature's a joke. Uh, it's the signatures. The signature on checks over here has been a joke for a long time because I once picked up the wrong checkbook. I gave my card, <laughs> and I I was with the same bank of, as our friends. I I used their checkbook with my card and signed it as my name. The person behind the counter looked at my card, looked at the signature, looked at the check with a different name on it, and said thank you very much. And it went through the bank as well. I mean, <laughs> right? So they probably literally just looked at the logo on the card matches the logo on the check. We are done here. We, yeah, I mean that's right. I mean, it, 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 I wasn't. I w- I'm not sure it was fraud or not because I, I signed my name on someone else's checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it can't be fraud if it's an accident, right? No, no. But it certainly shouldn't yeah. have gone through the system, right? No, someone should no, have gone. Hang no, on a minute. Uh, that's right. Dave Hamilton, a Mac observer. You know, he may have even written this up. I don't remember. Um, you know, he said it's it's actually with the credit card companies, the insecurity is built in by design or has been for yeah. a long time. Yeah, and he has a great explanation for why that is. But I wish I could remember. But okay, um, we should probably move on to the watchy thing. Nick, are you back with us? Uh, I am. Sorry oh, about good. that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was terrible timing. Just as you were getting stuck into something, and away you go. We didn't even I, I hope it wasn't anything we said because we cut you off. I, I thought maybe you left in in. Yeah. <laughs> Forget no, this. I didn't, I, didn't didn't I didn't leave in peak or anything like that. <laughs> Very good. Um, actually, do you want to throw anything into Apple Pay since you missed the, the start of our conversation? Uh, not really. Only that it sounds really cool, yes. and it'll be good if it comes over here too. Oh, you see, the problem with living, I mean, you guys in the UK have a pretty good chance because you're usually first in line for European Apple stuff. But us here in Ireland, I think we may forget about this. Can, can, I, can I make one complaint about um, Apple being, being snippy, I think, to their detriment, which is something that they oh, do? Okay, yeah. Um, so it came out, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that's not going to be supporting Apple Pay is, and believe me, I'm no big fan of this company, but... Mm-hmm. They do a lot of transactions, and I think they're kind of important for this sort of space. PayPal. Yeah, but isn't so, there a bit of a history going on there? Well, apparently what happened was is they were all set to do PayPal, and then they did a deal with Samsung, and then Apple got all huffy and went, well, if you're working with Samsung, then forget it. We're not going to let you have Apple Pay. So that's the story that's being floated around right now, and th- that sounds like a typical thing that Apple might do. And plausible, I think, right? Yeah, but the problem is, is that Apple does those things, I think, at the detriment of their consumers. And, you know, Apple likes to tout very often that they're the company that sort of puts the consumer and the user experience first. But there's every once in a while they'll do something, you know, that is within sort of their true colors, but also, you know, completely contradicts that idea of, but, you know, benefiting but, consumers. But, but do we not think, actually, that... Um, haven't Apple turned a corner on that sort of um, scenario now? And also, I think Apple Pay may well become a big competitor to PayPal. Yeah, well, especially because they want to go online as well as in physical mm. world. I mean, they didn't give yeah. us much detail on that during the keynote, so I guess we no. have to wait and see what that becomes of that. But as soon as but they mention lot- online, I can't imagine PayPal would have been too keen to cooperate. Well, if if it's... If it's Apple payments tied through your PayPal, I mean, PayPal issues credit cards now, PayPal issues... I suppose, as a you bank, know, yeah. They're, they're in a, in all, for all intents and purposes, for a lot of people, they are a bank. So if your Apple Pay could be tied to your PayPal account, that would be huge for a lot of people. Well, they've been sold now, haven't they? Aren't, aren't eBay selling PayPal? Well? No, they're, they're just splitting it out into a separate it's, company. Right. I thought, I thought they were getting rid of it, but perhaps not. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I do. I'm noticing the time. We definitely need to move into the Apple Watch. <laughs> um, we could probably talk forever on the Apple Watch, but I'm going sure. to say we, we're definitely doing more than ten minutes on this because I want to get to the other stuff that happened this month. So, to one extent, I guess you know we were given a preview, right? More more than anything else. In fact, I mean, we don't even know how much battery life it has. We we just know what it'll look like. We know that we can change the straps. We know it'll come in two sizes. We have some sort of idea of the design logic to the UI, which is probably actually the most important thing we learned. But on the whole, we can't talk about it nearly as much as we can about the iPhones because we don't get to play with this until at least next year. And we have a starting price, but no end point. (laughs) That's very open-ended, especially when you start mentioning gold. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't think I wanted a watch, and now I think I may do. So was anyone else, you know, I think XKCD had a comic on this where they had like, you know, years along the bottom so, and then this bar of, you know, people wear watches gap, people wear smartwatches. So, yeah, for me, for me, that gap needed to be longer, actually. You don't I, think it's going to, you don't think I, it's going to take off? 
Well, no, not so much the, the, that way going backwards, because I haven't worn a, a watch since it must be the mid 80s, if not before then. No, you're ahead of the um, groove. And it, I, I'm, I've, I've looked at it and I'm thinking, I know that you've used, is it the Pebble, Adam? Yes. Um, and I think, you know, that, that brings a certain amount of functionality. But for me at the moment and thinking about it, I really will not have any usage for this at all. Well, so let me throw this out there because, yes, I had a Pebble. Um, and I will tell you, what, the main reason I stopped watch, wearing it likely is because it is a pain in the butt to charge. Yeah. How does it charge actually out of the Pebble? It has this sort of MagSafe like connector that, you know, connects to a USB cable. And the one problem is, is that cable's proprietary. Um, (laughs) And Apple's going to be the same. Easily lost. Well, this is what I'm getting at. So this is a problem that Apple's going to have because one, that cable's proprietary. And so I was, you know, it's like, I got to find the cable if I don't know where it is. And if I've misplaced it, then I can't charge my watch at all. Um, And the nice thing about the Pebble is, I mean, it would last three to five days very easily because it's a paper display right? e-ink right Before yeah paper. an e-ink display so that you know there's no charge needed to you know once you've activated display unless you change screens there's no charge needed to sort of yeah. maintain the display um and uh so there's that and so apple's going to suffer from that problem and the rumors are they have you know maybe a day's worth of battery life so you're gonna have okay. to you know sort of plug it in every night so i think the key there is going to be to have some sort of you know, dock system, and hopefully with that MagSafe thing, you know, inductive charging magnet thing yeah, they're doing. I, I want my there's something I can put on my... just accept this watch. You know, go clunk and line itself up perfectly and charge. Right. Yeah. So if I can have a little thing on my nightstand, that may or may not be it may or may not be an issue. Yeah. Um, if it truly lasts all day, you know. But if you have to carry a thing around your bag, you know, not I don't. Know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it might be. But yeah. the other side of it is this: the sort of killer app. For me, on my Pebble, was there was a uh, an app called Pebble Bucks that would let you put your Starbucks card in there, and then <laughs> I could pay with my watch at Starbucks. Cool. Um, so that's Apple Pay. Exactly. So, and and Apple Pay is going to be available a lot more places. So, <laughs> just for that one feature alone, it might uh, it might be enough for a lot of people to uh, sort of like it. And then it does a whole bunch of more stuff that just makes it even cooler. So. Well, I'm actually pretty excited you know, about it. What excited me was how much thought they'd put into the UI, which, which is something that none of the competitors who got out first seem to have put nearly as much thought into. No. So the, 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 using the crown, the, the, the spinny bit we've had on our watches for the past hundred odd years, using that as a UI interface to me is just genius. Of course, that's how we interact with watches. And then this notion of the watch being able to communicate with you through this taptic feedback onto your arm. So it's not just vibrate, it's different patterns of touch. So, you know, turn left, turn right for the GPS directions was the example they gave. But that has a lot of potential. And so I just find myself looking at this going, so this is what they're promising us in the preview of the version 1 device. So we all know they've held some features back because they don't want to give the competitors too much advantage. So when they come back to us in the first quarter of next year with the actual finished Here's the thing we're shipping. We're shipping it this day, this time, this amount of money. Here's all the features we'll have. They're going to have something in reserve. It does something we don't know about yet. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is already impressive. And then I find myself going, okay, now think forward. And so I have this vision in my head that 10 years from now, and I do literally mean 10 years from now, that our SIM card equivalent will be in the device on our wrist. So we'll have a wrist-mounted device, no bigger than the Apple Watch, 
It will contain our SIM card and hence our connection to the planet. We'll have fast internet to it, at least all day battery life, probably longer. And it will actually be our connection to the cloud which holds everything. And then all of our other displays become dumb. And so you walk around, I want to type an email, I'll sit down at a computer. And now that computer is my computer. It has all my stuff on it via my wrist, which is my portal to the world. Oh, I'd like to do some photo editing. I'll sit down on a giant big 30-inch screen and I'll edit away at that. And basically, you just use the display that's right. And you are contained in that tiny little box in your arm. This may be fanciful, but that's what I have in my head now is what's possible. And of course, with our um, expandable display that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, but think about it. I mean, the bigger phone is interesting because it's a big screen. But what if you could have the brains in something really small and just use the screen that's appropriate whenever you wanted? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, think that, I, I don't think there's any doubt that that's sort of the direction we're, we're headed in. I hope so. Yeah. Of course, I mean, technology is the limiting factor. The amount of people over here saying, yeah, they should have put a GPS chip in there. Where? <laughs> well, yeah, I, w- I want to address this one because this has come up with several people, um, you know, who've written to me saying, I don't understand why there's not a GPS in there. And, you know, my response is battery. You know, that that is the response. And then they'll respond back, well, Garmin has GPS watches. And if you go look at them, yes, they do have them. (laughs) They are massive. (laughs) They are massive. They have one-bit displays, so they're black and white, and they have 20-hour battery life. Right, and yeah, they're they're not little computers. They're just GPSs. Of course you can make just the GPS fit. Right, right. (laughs) But again, and it's only 20 hours of battery on a one-bit, you know, I don't even know if they're paper displays. I think they're standard LCD displays. But, you know, they're like the kind where... It's kind of everything's baked in, right? It's the old school Casio kind of, at least that's what it looks like to me. I don't think they're even dynamic, you know, like standard black and white LCD displays. I think they're the, you know, we've got this readout here and that that readout there. And you just sort of turn on on or off the the, the numbers, you know, like the, the digital clock radio sort of display. But even if they, even if they were a pure, you know, black and white, LCD display, that doesn't take nearly the amount of power as a... Oh, and the resolution is 100 by 160. You know, pixels. Pixels. So, I mean, they're very tiny. Huge watch, limited battery. So, yes, you could get... Right, antennae, right? You've got to get them in there, too. There there has to be some sort of antenna in there to do the um, Bluetooth 4 thing back to the iPhone or whatever. Then yep. you're talking about, oh, and also we'd like to have enough. Now, our phone can do GPS because it's, it's using assisted GPS. So it's actually the combination of cell tower signals and one GPS receiver. But right. if you don't have a SIM card, you don't have cell phones, you actually need three GPS receivers in there so that it can triangulate. So this thing does not have a SIM card. It's not a phone. This is why the iPod Touch doesn't have GPS. So you can't even get it into an iPod Touch easily. How on earth are you going to get it onto your wrist? I don't know. Whenever I hear that, I say, go study physics, please. <laughs> or engineering. <laughs> yeah, the one the one disappointment for me, and I, I really don't understand this one because there's so many of these technologies to, to make this possible, and especially in a watch, water-resistant but not waterproof, and especially with the health and fitness aspects of it because triathletes would love this. I, I, I'm a swimmer. I would love to be able to swim with it and get credit for that exercise. Um and, you know, you have co- companies like Liquid Pell and all these other companies that, you know, it's, it's, it's like a 
spray on thing or whatever they do. They dip it or whatever they might do, and suddenly it's waterproof. Well, maybe so, future, not not first generation, will we'll develop that ability. Yeah, the only theory that I have heard um, is because of the whole heirloom factor and some of these watches, you know, especially the gold ones, mm-hmm. they might be looking to. A couple people have thrown out the theory that maybe, you know, it's designed in a way where this the central module, you know, because mm-hmm. the chip itself is all one giant computer on one chip, that there's Apple has some sort of mechanism to easily have that innards swapped out. So next year when you go to upgrade... You don't get a whole new watch. You just get a whole new module, and now you have all the new features. But you get to keep your custom bands and the you know the the shell that you have already. Well, but maybe you don't even have to keep the shell. Right. Maybe they'll have a trade-in program where they take back the shell, reclaim the precious metals, and give you a debit on that. Like Leon, you know, like in Europe, if you buy Coke in glass bottles, you bring back the glass bottles, you get money back. Yeah, you this know? is this is more getting to a watch sort of thing, though, because the the watch jewelry community, there's this sense of, oh, I yeah, see. Grandpa owned this watch. I have Grandpa's watch, you know. But okay, with, so I'm being too computer sciencey practical about this. I should be thinking yes. more sentimentally. Yeah, well, because when you're going to spend twelve grand on a watch, right? You know, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that you're spending it no, on. You're spending point, yeah. it on an heirloom kind of device. It, you know, and there's people throwing out that, you know, numbers like that, believe it or not, that the higher end watches could be, you know, Apple Watch could be going for 5,000, 10,000 and up, which is just insane to me. So, you know, there has to be some sort of justification. But even there, you know, my argument back was like, over time, though, they're going to get thinner and lighter. You know, I don't know that, you know, 20 years from now, I'm going to want the style of Apple Watch. But Again, I'm not I'm not a watch person. You know, there is that sort of provenance and history that people get caught up in in that that's sort of romanticized. It's like, you know, my grandpa had this watch when it was the first edition and now I have it. You know, I I still have it 10 years later. Yeah. Sort of thing. The one that caught my eye was the sport one, which apparently is rumored to be the cheap one. So I'm kind of happy about that. I think that's what most people are going to be getting. I think yeah. my um, I think my last watch cost me nineteen ninety five. Woo! <laughs> You're not, not meaning one... nineteen hundred ninety five. You mean <laughs> I, I mean one thousand nine hundred ninety five <laughs> pence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I haven't worn a watch in years and years. Mainly because yeah. I used to always break them. Actually, that's not a good sign. That's, I mean, that's really going to be the question: is is this enough to get people wearing watches again? And like I said, with my Pebble, you know. It, there's enough inconveniences and not enough added conveniences to sort of, uh, you know, I sort of stopped wearing it. I, tr- I wore it for a good couple months and then it was just like, I'm not getting enough benefit out of this versus sort of some of these hassles of, you know, having to dig out the charger and find that sort of thing. And Now, now I suppose I'm going to prove myself a liar here because I said that I haven't worn a watch for a number of years. I have worn a watch uh, most Saturday afternoons and Sunday mornings when I've been oh, refereeing. Yes. Um, so, of course, that there is that. And if it can, if it can take down... Um, obviously, my running around the pitch and uh, also do the timing for me and then take down yellow cards and uh, people are going, oh, then I'd be interested in wearing it. But uh, no, it's still I've tried to listen to it, everything you've said and, it's, and I'm still not enticed. OK, let me let me try and entice you. So you're out refereeing and let's say because this thing is going to have third party apps, if not from day one, from day very near to one, because they've already told us watch kit is coming. So imagine there's an app for rugby referees. And so you just click the you click the button to start the match. And then anytime does does rugby have injury time? 
no. Well, yes, we do. We no, we stop the clock for injury time. Okay, so, so every time you want to stop the clock, you tap the face of the watch. Yeah. And then when there's five minutes left, it taps five times on your arm. When there's four minutes left, it taps four times on your arm. Yeah, I've got to be able to keep the score on there as well, of course. That's that. That's something okay. I well, need then to the be top able. half of the screen yeah. is for one yeah. team. The bottom half of the screen, the middle is to stop the game. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, think about it. You really can do a lot with. I know. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure it, it can. The the one thing that they've, they've got to get right though is is as I think we've spoken about on, on a couple of occasions is the battery life on this. That's the thing which needs to be. Uh, to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a day. I, if anybody's expecting more than one, and it's got to, and, and as you say, it's got to be a full general. day, Adam. It's not going to be a, you know, an eight hour. I've just come back in. I will put my phone on on a charge. It's got to be. I've put it on at seven o'clock in the morning. I've come home at half past six at night, and I won't be taking my watch off until I go to bed at you know ten or eleven at night. And it's right. got to laugh last that whole day and i'm gonna i'll go out on a limb and predict it's gonna be somewhere between 12 and and uh 20 hours probably mm. well and uh, probably more for the 12 low. side yeah. I, I think so too but i mean again gen one with everything that it's doing i will yeah. really be shocked without the size of it i will be shocked if they get much above you know 12 to 15 yeah. maybe 15 hours would be the, the sweet spot that they they're trying to hit and it, ideally, I would want to see it at 20 to 24, but I think that's pushing it for, and, and, for Gen 1. And watching the time, Bart. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. I was going to say, <laughs> we should probably tootle along into the rest of the news. But, um, uh, Nick, you've been very quiet through this watchy talk. Um, yeah, I, I haven't got a lot to say, really. Um, I just think that the question I always keep coming back to for myself is... Why would I would why would I not use my phone for this? Um, most of the stuff I do, I'm not a particularly sporty person, though I do enjoy walking. Mm. But when you're walking, it's quite easy to carry a phone. Um, yeah, I can put it in a pocket. There's a certain amount of subtlety. I don't like taking my phone out in meetings. It, it, just being able to just glance down at my watch and see whether or not I need to be rude and disrupt a meeting because. All hell has broken loose, and the the student record system has just blown up in in the middle of registration or something. Just being able to subtly, without interrupting anyone or anything, just glance down and see whether I need to take action is actually worth a lot to me. Yeah, I suppose so. I I, I hardly use my phone as a phone, so. <laughs> well, no, I don't talk on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, even for texting, I, I I think my texts are probably somewhere in the region of about five a month. Oh, I don't use SMS either. No, it's, it's one of the other types of communication. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, I, hmm. I, I would, my question to myself would always still be, why would I not use my phone for this? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I do see most and of likewise, my uses you know, when I'm out on the bike or something like that. So, yeah. Well, if you have a 6 Plus, it's probably not in your pocket. It's probably in your backpack because it's too dang huge. So, so now there's a <laughs> there huge use case. <laughs> yeah, I could That's strap true. that to my wrist. That would be fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think unless anyone objects, we should probably carry on. Um, so the next thing that happened is we all got to play with a new OS this month. Um, I, I think it was the 17th, or I'm not sure exactly which date it was, but the second half of the month we all got iOS 8. Now we briefly got iOS 8.0.1, but we won't talk about that just yet. So, did everyone on the panel upgrade, or does, if they're assuming yep. they had a device for upgrading? Yep. Yep. Yes, yes I did as well. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we've all. So, has anyone found it? I mean, to me, it looked exactly the same, which obviously we were expecting it to. 
And for the first day or two, I'm not sure I noticed anything different. I noticed one or two of my apps, the touch sensitivity on the phone seemed to change oh. in, in so much as it, it wasn't as smooth as it once was. Uh, now, so those apps had already been updated, yeah. uh, and I think one or two of them have now been updated again since. So whether there was something going on which they hadn't uh, spotted when they were doing their initial development, I don't know. But there were – I won't name the apps, but there were there were apps where – I use a lot, and I use the swipe to delete the uh, the item in question. And I, it was very definitive change in the way that I had to do the swiping. Now that's it's kind of gone back now. So I do think that uh, initially there were there were issues. Now whether that's a combination of the app being updated in eight point oh two as well. Um, but, I think um, it may be eight oh two because I think just in general. And again, I this was a theory that I've been floating around, but I don't mm-hmm. know because I got a new phone. So I don't know if it's the phone or, but just in general, touch and swipe. That there's moments where everything seems to sort of freeze or freeze. And freeze is probably the right word, but it's more like delay more yeah. than it should. Yeah, that so, makes so, yeah. sense because there's an illusion going on, right? When we're touching our phones, and that illusion only works as long as the phone's processors can keep up with everything. So if the code isn't quite as efficient as it needs to be, well, and see, I don't think it's the processor. I think something. Ha- that's why I keep coming back to the OS and thinking something. Well, sure. Happened I mean, with- if the OS is written inefficiently, right, it's going to make the processor do too much work before it should be a little bit of work, and then we feel it because there's a, there's a just a, even a few milliseconds. It just breaks that illusion. It's such a delicate illusion. Oh, so. And I don't know, I think 802 may have sort of gotten things a little bit better, So, um, but yeah, I, don't, I haven't had enough time with it. I don't think I've had, I didn't have anything like that. I didn't really notice anything. For the first few days, I just didn't notice anything had changed, except for a few little things like, something I do a lot is dim the screen at night when I'm uh, reading in bed. And iOS 7 had this ridiculously stupid thing that when you <laughs> flipped up the, the hover over bit... I went to slide your brightness. The whole screen was dimmed, so you couldn't actually see what brightness you were setting <laughs> until you swiped the thing away. And as soon as you touch the brightness slider in iOS 8, yes. it nice. brings the screen up to what you're actually setting it to, which is it's a silly little thing, but, oh, it makes me so happy. And then the other thing is when you're deleting email, that ability to swipe and keep swiping and go straight to actually delete it instead of swipe, touch, swipe, touch, swipe, touch, just go yeah. swipe and get away from me. It, it's, that's particularly pleasant. The only problem I have with that gesture is it's very hard that, that whatever that point is to get that opened up and leave it open oh, is oh, yeah. touchy. So if I want to get to the more button or some of the other buttons that are in that mm. swipe thing, I will often go too far and then end up deleting the message when I, or you know archiving it when I didn't want to Shape do that. Shape to undo does fix it, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I did it once. I went shake, shake, and it came back. Ninety percent so, sure. What I've learned is you just have that has to become if you want to get to those modes, it has to become a sort of deliberate gesture. And you sort of, it took me a while to learn that point. I've gotten pretty good at it now to where, you know, because if you don't go far enough, it'll collapse it back away, on yeah. itself. If you go just a little too far, it will archive it. So you got to find the spot sort of right in the middle. And I think it's right about when all of them are about open halfway. It's somewhere well, then in that area. you can let go and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, just, or just a little past halfway. That's, it's funny you say that, Adam, because I, I, I thought, what's he talking about? Because I, it's funny how... Each individual finds something different. It's taken mm-hmm. me ages to get that sw- the, the, what you've now mentioned, Bart, which yeah. is the swipe and your continuation going. to keep going. I can get the 
the the options up easy but it, it would i found it a struggle to actually do the swipe and then the carry on swipe so it, oh. it's it's all down to personal preference isn't it in the way i guess it's how far we used yeah. to swipe before it mattered yeah yeah the, the other thing that sort of caught me by surprise in a good way was when i was um I was sitting upstairs watching some telly on my iPad and my phone was in the kitchen and suddenly the call came up on my iPad. I was like, oh, yes, do we have this? This is great. And we're going to get on our Macs next month. So that, that was cool. Um, and then the other thing, of course, is keyboards. So who went out and installed 20 kabillion keyboards? Uh, I, 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 I installed two and they're both gone. Me too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes, I hate them. I hate them. Okay, well, it, let me get swipe. I tried, I think I tried actually three. I tried Swift Key, Swipe, and um, the one I always pronounce incorrectly. Uh, Fesky? Fles- I always want to say Flexy, but so, n- somebody, what is it? Flexy. Flexy, that's it. Yeah, flexy. I always say Flesky instead <laughs> of Flexy. That Flesky thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I, I've ended up keeping one, but it's not one that makes you type different. It's Text Expander. Oh yeah, that that one I that one I have in there. Um, but again, it's that's the kind of one where I flip to it if I think I need to expand something and then flip back to it because, um, and I'm definitely going to give them this feedback. I feel the their keys are just a little bit too small. Yeah, I have to say the process of enabling a keyboard was the least Apple-like thing I have ever experienced. <laughs> yep. Wow, did they hide that well? Well, and the other problem I'm having is. You know, if you're not going to stay in one third-party keyboard all the time, if you mm-hmm. are toggling between them, there's no standardization. Yeah, yeah. So was, it really messes yeah. everything up. So like the the little switch globe button jumps all around. It can even have a different icon. Yeah, it can even shiny have func- text expander. It can face. even function differently. So like I think the uh, flexi flex. <laughs> See, I'm never going to say it right. <laughs> Whatever that that, that one, one is. Yeah. Um, they make you toggle it so when you tap they they use that button as the number punctuation button as well so when you tap it it just flips over you actually have to press and hold on it uh, before it will you know toggle to the next keyboard so it's just like no this is just forget it i can't i can't function like this yeah yeah i I installed um swift key onto my ipad Mm -hmm. um and then spent uh, an abortive um about an hour trying to swipe on it. Um, <laughs> okay, you had only to find out that it doesn't work on the iPad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which was really annoying. So I kept going into the settings and thinking, well, well, where is it? Where's the setting to make it swipey? Uh, um, oh, so it would install and it would let you pick it as a keyboard. It just wouldn't do its part. Yeah, they just haven't they haven't implemented that on the iPad for some oh. reason, uh, which is a great disappointment because I use Swift Key on my uh, HTC One. Oh, you do it, like it. And it's brilliant, yeah. I, particularly as it learns. I mean, unfortunately, it's one of those programs where you have to let it have your whole life <laughs> right. for it to, to be really effective. But once you do, it it remembers what you type. So whenever I put down um, Erdington, it immediately says, oh, you want Methodist next, don't you? And then church. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, yes. And it does that every time. So it makes yeah. typing much, much, much quicker. The other problem third-party keyboards have is they, unfortunately, Apple didn't make it, so they get uh, Apple's autocorrect for free. Yeah, why not? Which kind of stinks. I don't, I don't know. 
Well, maybe that's coming in future versions, but I, I would hope so because you know there's so there's keyboards out there that you you lose that functionality if you're using the alternate keyboard. Many of them have their own algorithms, like you know uh, SwiftKey and 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 uh, Flexi. But um, yeah, I'd like yeah. to inherit that. Yeah, because actually Apple's autocorrect is quite good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm enjoying the new. Actually, the I I kind of did not like the the quick type thing at first, but oh. I'm starting to learn how to use how to use it, and it's actually becoming quite handy. And I think its learning algorithm thing is working well too. I think that that's very similar to the Swift key sort of thing. The more I've used it, the more it sort of is predicting better, you know, what the next thing that I might be typing is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, the other thing, of course, then is our new. Uh, what are they calling? They're not called widgets. What are they called again? Well, it depends on which area. Uh, the, the notifications those are, those are widgets. do that. Oh, are they widgets? Okay. Yes. Has anyone actually found any they like? Because I found them no, to be awfully gimmicky and suck. useless. Most of them suck. Like, okay. I, 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 can we? I don't know what kind of language you can use in this podcast, but I, I put something. <laughs> Put something in the uh, towers and in uh, the chat that we do with TMO, and yeah. basically said, you know, somebody needs to go out and have a talking to these developers and tell them why they don't need their shitty. Yeah, everyone you know, doesn't have to be on my home screen, thanks. And if you're going to be there, I want you to do something really useful that fits in a very small amount of space. And then I said, I'm looking at you, Dropbox. Oh, it's Dropbox. <laughs> I didn't even know that Dropbox near there. All it does is get, it tells you, you know, what files have changed in your Dropbox. It's like, oh, yes, I need to know that all the time. <laughs> I find it annoying enough it does that every time I sit down on my Mac. I've updated 72 files. Good for you, Dropbox. <laughs> Leave me alone. That's your job. Yes. Like, do you, I don't expect a pat on the back for doing my job every day. Why do you expect one for you, for your job? Yeah, anyway. most, of, most of them are completely, completely useless. Yeah. Well, Adam, going back to what you said about um, Apple developers, let's hope some of them start turning up. <laughs> yeah. I, I have some hopes. I, there's a few apps I have sort of on my list of to, to to install when I have some free time. But there's an astronomy one that apparently does some really nice stuff for that heads up for that uh, yeah. heads up view. You know, for for us astronomers out there. So maybe that one will change my mind. One, so far, it, yeah. one that would be handy that I a bunch of people have told me about, but I don't use this. Um, calculator is pcalc has one that'll put a calculator yeah i thought that was cool until i realized that if you just swipe up anywhere the calculator button's right there because it's in the swipe up that's true that's right so i had pcalc (laughs) on mine for about a day and then someone went yeah but why not here it's like oh yeah see i have i have calcbot on my main home screen so anyone else have anything to say on this or will we actually i just Actually, one other thing I do want to no. mention is the, uh, the 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 feds are doing their nut about the better encryption. So oh. I just I just say woohoo and leave it at that. Yeah. Um, no, the only other thing I would I would comment on that I think is a lot more useful is the um, and I was writing the proper term for this down in my show notes earlier. I believe they're called now um, actions. Oh, how could we forget? Jesus, yeah. Yes, yeah. and they're brilliant. And one password now works in yes. the browser everywhere. And with Touch ID, which is just yeah. a huge time saver. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, th- those extensions, whatever they're called, the action items, what did you say it was? The, it's action. So it used to be what we call the share button, right? You know, yes. the little thing with it. And I believe it's now the action button. And within actions, you have certain kinds of actions. You have share actions, and then you have activity actions. 
So yeah. one password, for example, is an activity sort of action. Those are the ones that are black and white icons at the bottom. And then you have the share ones, which would be things like Pocket or Instagram or Instapaper and those sorts of ones. Uh, OneNote or OneNote and Evernote, you know, where you are actually sharing with some sort of web service. Uh, the fact that you can turn them off. Yep. I never have to see that F again. And move them around <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, no, it's so that's quite useful. That. Yeah. That's quite useful. And the other thing I thought you would have been excited about, Bart, is um, camera extensions in the camera app. I probably will be when I get round to playing with them. <laughs> so imagine now that you your Camera Plus or your Halftone 2 or whatever, all of those effects are available within the Photos app when you go to edit. And you never have to leave the app. You just tap the button and you get a whole interface within the Photos app to do any kind of editing or a filter application and then you're right back to the Photos app. Yeah, see, that so. doesn't actually excite me that much. What excites me more is this thing that apparently apps have got, got lower level control of the camera so that we, we can start uh, have yeah, more of a too. DSLR yep. style experience, which is really what yeah. I've always, always wanted. I know I want some exposure compensation here. Just let me do it. Is, yeah, that's, getting, that's, that, that's getting the whole... Um, um, world set up for photos, isn't it? Really? Well, yes. imagine that's a full manual, full manual focus. Yeah, I just you know I know what I'm doing. I know what I want. Stop trying to second guess me. Just let me tell you. Yeah, you now have full control. Camera apps can now give you full control over shutter exposure, white balance. Um, yeah. See, how long will it take before somebody says my camera, my my phone used to take great shots. Now it doesn't anymore. Because I'm having to, to do stuff. An app, guys. <laughs> I know, I know, well, I know. Yeah, you I was, have to do it from an app. Yeah, I was being the, the slightly camera app still works. It is nice that the built-in camera app now also allows you to uh, dynamically set your exposure. So now, when you you know you tap to focus and set your white point, you get a little exposure control, and you can slide that up or down to adjust your exposure. Yeah, it's nice to decouple because where you want a white balance and where you want to expose are not necessarily the same thing. Okay, I am going to race us on ahead. Very quickly, uh, back onto the actions. You, you said that you can move them around, Adam. I, you can, and I have done that, especially with the one password uh, um, You're going to bring action. up a bug that I hate. There's a bug. What, that it sends it back to its old position? Yeah, so if you move it, it sticks until you close like the yes. app. So, for yes. example, in Safari, yeah, when you quit Safari all the way, if you leave it open in the background, it'll stay in its spot. Yeah. But yep. if you quit Safari completely and bring it back, it puts it ah, back in the end. It's a bug. I yeah. hadn't noticed that yet. Oh, that's going to drive me completely crazy. <laughs> now we've highlighted it for you, Bart. Oh, no. <laughs> Though I do notice the other ones seem to have stayed put. because Just, Facebook... just leave Safari always open in the background and you'll, you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, the Facebook F is gone. So that, that's okay. They hasn't forgotten that. I think the top ones, the top ones might stick. I haven't played around with well, that. Well, they seem exactly that... how I left them. Messages, mail, Twitter, Instapaper, and nothing else. Yeah. It might only be the... Oh, that's annoying. And one password goes on to the very end of the bloody list. Yeah. <sighs> okay, now I'm cranky. <laughs> uh, okay, roll on 8.1. Uh, when I'm yeah, I don't know if that's Apple stuff. or one password. I'm assuming it's Apple. I'm assuming that's an Apple problem. Well, I think so, because I'd arrange, rearranged other ones, and they've also gone back to where they shouldn't be. Okay, well, I have a feeling iOS 8 we're going to come back to next month, because really when OS 10.10 comes out, those two are going to work together in such a way that we need to talk about it again, I think. Yeah, and just in general, we need to mention, I, I think it's been a really, really buggy. Yes. This is yeah, I was just point... about to say, we hope. <laughs> yeah. This 8.0.1 thing being released, basically turning people's cell phones into iPod touches without Touch ID. 
Uh, it's, yeah, it's not just that. I'm getting I'm getting full crashes where I've never had those before. You know, back to the white Apple logo. I'm getting a lot of application crashes. Again, I don't know where the blame lies there. It could be with developers not updating their apps, or it could be with Apple, you know, changing things on them. I don't I don't want to jump to any conclusions there. Um, I, we already mentioned the sort of sluggishness here and there. You know, sort of these delays that happen. Um, there's just a lot of weird bugs. What's odd is I was running since through the beta program because I'm in the mm-hmm. developer program, and I don't think I had issues until they actually put the release version out, or I didn't notice a lot of these. And See, you know, I was using my phone normally. I would, didn't change my behavior. I'm afraid to say it, touching all sorts of wood here, but I actually have less crashes than I used to because I had respring's once or twice a week, and I haven't had a single one since upgrading. Mm, you're lucky. I've had two since upgrading, or two, two or three at least, and I have yeah, had never had them. I've had a couple. Okay, I'm going to keep touching wood then, and hope it stays that way. <laughs> um, I want to quickly, and I do. I, I don't think this is a big thing, but we should mention it. So iCloud has up to the ante a little. Um, so we now go up to one terabyte. We get more more storage for the same money, or more storage for less money in some cases. And uh, what I thought was really nice of Apple was they refunded all those of us who had already paid for, you know, we still had like, I think I still have six months left on my bill. And I just got a, a thingy back from Apple, an email saying, we've refunded you blah amount because we've changed these pricing and now they're more, they're more efficient. Yeah, they were quite good yep. with that with Mobile Me as well because they made some changes to Mobile Me in pricing, and I think they they did that back in the day then as well. And so uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it, the sort of Apple that we expect, really. I think that is. And then just to say, Windows users can use iCloud Drive already, but us Mac users have to wait till next month. So actually, I think we should just leave iCloud Drive until next month's show because we. Yeah. Have all the- yeah, yeah. Can I can I just say one word to iCloud Drive? Yes. <laughs> already. Oh, uh, yeah, no, let's leave it Did you turn it on? No, no. Okay, good. But but the install process turned it on for me. Oh. Yeah, I'm having problems as well. Really? Yeah. I I got a a button or a a thingy saying, would you like to turn it on, yes or no? And I went, no. So so did I. But unfortunately, when I went to uh, then, um, so I can still access my iCloud, uh, my um, um, documents in iCloud, um, but when I went, to, uh, I've told you before, I print, um, produced the church mm-hmm. magazine. And when I went to share it with my proofer, yeah. it said, you need to upgrade to be able oh. to do this. I so got, I now I... can't share it with my, until, until I actually get Yosemite in my machine, I can't share documents anymore. I got a great um, screenshot of um, when I went into iCloud on Safari and it said to use and I was basically going into pages and it said mm-hmm. to use pages you'll need to upgrade your account to iCloud Drive. iCloud Drive will allow you to store blah, 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 blah. important if you upgrade you won't be able to access documents in the cloud blah, and it went on. Okay. Yeah. The problem was it didn't give me an option not to upgrade I, and if I press cancel I then couldn't get to my document. Anyway, yeah, your choice basically is no know. or no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's I'll I'll stop there. Hopefully, sure. that will be a short-lived. Let's hope so. So yeah. the other thing I really do want to get to before we wrap up, and I'm about to break my rule of an hour and thirty. Oh look, there we go, an hour and thirty gone. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to break it by much. So I do think it's worth mentioning that Apple took time to stress the fact that they they're different when it comes to privacy then, well, I'm imagining Google is who was in their firing line. They didn't mention them by name, but effectively, it's Google, right? 
and um, Facebook. Tim Cook almost quoted, I would say quoted me, but that would imply he'd ever heard of me, which is utter nonsense. But I have been saying for years, and I should dig up the post because it's quite a, it's quite a while ago, you know, follow the money was what I have been saying for years now on all of these online things. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. my actual post was follow the money and beware digital underpants gnomes, which is what the name I give to these companies who say, step one, get lots of users, step three, profit. Yes. And at no point have they configured out what step two is. Right? That's the digital underpants gnomes. And, of course, Facebook isn't a digital underpants gnome. Facebook and, and Google are even worse. They're step one, get everyone's information. Step two, sell our users. And, you know, and, and Tim Cook basically said, we're different. We sell stuff. You buy the stuff. You are our customer. And therefore, it's in our interest to look after you. And I was just so happy to see that coming from the top man. Agreed. I got off my yeah, soapbox. Good. Now, sorry. No, that's no, just reality. I mean, it's a different kind of company. Yeah, and they, they really hammered it home. So we have a new privacy policy, a new privacy page, a little letter from from Tim Cook, sort of. I almost thought they would have called it Thoughts on Privacy, but they didn't quite go there. And then a big Charlie Rose interview. So full court press, I believe we call that. Okay, um, I think we'll just wrap up with just, I just, these are just quick stories that I think are worth mentioning because they, they happen this month and they're important. So everyone, can we have a moment of silence, please, for the iPod Classic? It is, it is no more. Actually, I, yeah, I should have brought the funeral march song and played it here. Do 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 do. Anyway, uh, yeah, after all those years, I am slightly sad to see it go. But then again, when you have 128 gigs of iPod Touch, that's probably okay. Um, Apple then went uh, well. Uh, hiring spree is the wrong word, but two hires of note, shall we say? We have. Uh, you go on. I was just going to say, actually, the, the problem Apple have is they make such good products that people fall in love with that when they discontinue them, people are still sad. So, well, you're sad. Don't make. If they yeah. didn't make such wonderful products, then we wouldn't be so. You know. Yeah, I'm not. I, I mean, I loved my iPod, but I have to say, the moment I got an iPod Touch, I sort of fell out of love. Yeah, with it. yeah, yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, the click wheel was nice and all, but yeah, I'll take a touchscreen, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so two hires of of note, um, Marcella Agui, Agu, Sugar Aguilar, Aguilar uh, who was formerly of Gap, is now Apple's director of global marketing communications, which I presume means Katie Cotton replacement in English. Uh, and Apple have also basically Johnny Ive has got to hire, got to hire his mate. So Mark Newson, who's a, a pretty famous as designers go designer, is now also an Apple head, which is interesting. But you mean the guy who co-designed the Apple Watch? Do we know that? No, I'm done. Okay. Say, I think I think he was sort of co-designed through friendship, i.e. Yes. I, th- I think Johnny did a lot of consulting in Sounding whether it was paid or whether yeah. it was paid or not. Uh, who knows? But there seems to be, you talk to designers who are familiar with Mark Newsom's work and they seem to think there's a lot of influence. So whether it was direct or indirect, something yeah, went People on. see him in it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and he's worked. With, didn't he work with Johnny Ive for the product Red stuff? They oh, he's, for yeah, they, they've and, been friends for years, and yeah, this is cool. Worked so, on projects, and yeah. yeah. Then uh, our, our good friend Samsung have decided that Europeans are not worth not worth selling laptops to, including Chromebooks. They have uh, followed Sony and said no, no more laptop sales in the, in the EU. So that's probably because we don't buy any. <laughs> I was going to say, mm. if you make some laptops that aren't 
that, that we'd like, I guess that probably wouldn't be such an issue for you. But there we go. Um, bit of an end of an era at Oracle. Um, Larry Ellison calls it a day after many years of uh, service. I presume he's of a similar age to Steve Jobs since they were friends. Don't know, really. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I probably should have checked that before. Anyway, uh, and then just just because it's almost sad to say it, but Microsoft aren't finished with their layoffs yet. Another 2,100 to go and the end of an R&D center in Silicon Valley. And then Amazon's Fire Phone is not selling 10 million on the first weekend. They've had to cut the price by $200 to no price. <laughs> and I still don't think it's selling particularly well. Uh, so as the old phrase goes, you couldn't give it away. Uh, so that that's sort of where the news ends for the week or for the month. So just a reminder to everyone that all of these show notes and what you will notice, uh, dear listeners who have never gotten to see underneath the Komodo before, is that I put a lot more stories into the show notes than we call out by name during the show. And that's, you know, that's sort of intention. I don't want this to become a uh, laborious reading of stories. That's just boring. So basically, all of the stories that influenced my opinions are in the show notes, even if we didn't mention them in the actual episode. And they're all over on lets-talk.ie. And again, there's a little shortcut link, so let's-talk.ie forward slash LTA13 will jump you straight to this month's show, once the show is out. Uh, while you're there, you might notice two bright blue buttons at the top of the left sidebar that say support the show. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, and the way that works is that you effectively become a patron of the show, and so you pledge a small amount of money, and then every time an episode is released, that small amount of money gets given to the show, i.e. to me, uh, since I'm the one who pays the bills. And then there's also a big donate by PayPal button for just plain old, I just like to donate now. And so the idea is this is not a commercial venture. It is just the case that it costs me a certain amount of money to make this show go. And I'd like to arrive at a place where it's sort of financially neutral that I get to do it for fun without it costing me money. That, that's where I'd like to go. Donate now, folks. You know it makes sense. <laughs> thank you. So anyway, that's uh, the first show of the of the second year of the show. Um, thank you very much to actually. Well, firstly, thank you very much to all the people who already support the show on Patreon. You guys rock. Thank you to everyone who's clicked that PayPal button over throughout the last year. It's all very much appreciated. It really helps. And uh, also, thank you to Brendan Finan who did our lovely theme music, and also to ah uh, Gerard Monnan from the Netherlands who did our beautiful green microphone logo for Let's Talk Apple and Let's Talk Photography. And especially, of course, thank you to all the panellists who give freely of their time. Because, you know, there's, there's nothing in it for you guys apart from being nice to me, I guess. So thank you. Good camaraderie and, and conversation. True. Yes, yeah. and everyone, everyone who's been on this show throughout the year has, uh, you know, I get on very well with all of you. They're all wonderful. And I really love the fact that you donate your time to, to this show to have a conversation. So with that, let's wrap up this week's or this month's panel. So uh, in reverse order, uh, Nick, thank you for joining us. And do you want to give out some links? Uh, only my um, Twitter handle, which is at Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. That's about it, really. Cool. Well, thank you, Nick. Adam from the MacCast. Do you want to give out any links other than what I just gave out? Sure. You can find me MacCast.com. Also check out the iOS show at iosshow.com or theiosshow.com and uh, on Twitter I'm twitter.com slash maccast Excellent. And Gazmas from the wonderful MyMac podcast do you want to give yeah, any other links? Yeah, you can go over to gazmas.com where you'll find uh, links to the shows that uh, I normally appear on, uh, a few photos uh, 
You can also find me on Twitter uh, at uh, twitter.com forward slash gazmaz, G-A-Z-M-A-Z, and you'll understand why I said it that way if you go over and listen to uh, the My Mac podcast with uh, my good friend, Guy Searle, who's another person I've never met. In person, that is. Do you, do you know something, Gaz? Because of you guys, I have forgotten what way Europeans are supposed to say that letter. <laughs> is it, am I supposed to say Z or Z? Z. I say Z. You say Z. I say Z. Okay, good to know what I'm supposed to say because I have utterly forgotten. (laughs) Anyway, I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, Gaz, do you like apples? Yes, I love Cox's because they're hard and juicy. Huh? Do you mean what I think you mean? Yeah, Cox's Pippin Apples. They come from Somerset Guy. Everyone knows that. But we're talking about the MyMac.com podcast. It's been around since 2004. Oh, I see. That type of apple. Exactly. You can find it in iTunes. Talk to us from Twitter or Facebook. Or call us on our Skype number, which is... 703-436-9501. There. Said it before you could.